0: Welcome to another episode of the Cook Eat Nourish podcast with me, Fiona Staunton of Fiona's Food for Life. Today I'm talking with Breda Birmingham, a menopause educator and coach and founder of the Women Midlife Rock Project and Cafe. She has also written a book, The Midlife Woman Rock: A Menopause Story for a New Generation. We talk about how information, education and support are what women need to thrive through this stage in their lives. Make sure you listen to the end to find her three top tips to help improve the health of the nation. And I hope you enjoy. So, Breda, welcome to my podcast today. Would you like to introduce yourself to my audience? Hi, Fiona,
1: and thank you for inviting me today. Yes, sure. Um, So my name is Brida Birmingham, I'm a menopause educator and coach and um, I was kind of catapulted into this menopause space a few years ago when I completed um, a psychology degree. I was researching uh, midlife women and menopause is a huge part of that story, the the midlife uh, women's well-being and health story. So um, I'm a former midwife and a public health nurse, and I guess I've had the privilege of working with women for years um, in both hospital and community settings and also in the public and private sector. So it's actually, I've kind of come full circle um, having taken 10 years out of the workplace after we had our, our fourth um, at home. Um, okay. I, I came back and studied psychology not really you know knowing where it would lead me or bring me but it has brought me into working in the menopause space and back working
0: with women which I absolutely love. Fantastic and when you went to do that degree then in 2018 you had you any goal or ideas that you wanted to work in this menopause space at all or or what what were your plans? Um, well Fiona I completed the degree and it was
1: actually in the last few months when i was reading the research on menopause and you know something struck me around that you know that there's something wrong or there's something going on here that just didn't sit well with me because you know when it comes to uh women uh you know women do hard things i believe all of the time and um you know we 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 face challenges all of the time and my belief was once people are supported and educated, and I, I, I have seen that in the past, you know, from working uh, in, in both community and hospital settings, once women are provided with information, education, and support, they can overcome most things. But what I couldn't understand when I was reading the li- extremely disparaging about women. And I was coming into, I was 49 when I went back to um to college, so I was coming into this space and I thought, oh, my God, you know, is it going to be this bad? Because everything I was reading was so it painted such a dark, drastic picture. And I was very curious. And that's really, I suppose, what uh, got me researching and digging into the research to find out what's going on here. And funnily. um, Fiona, I was actually in perimenopause myself at that time, but I did not know it. I did not realize I mean, it. how
0: many people say that. Well, actually, looking back, I was in perimenopause at
1: the time. I'm one of them. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the, that word perimenopause, I had never heard it prior to I starting to, to research uh, menopause. So before 2018, I never heard mention of the word. I never fully understood that, you know, this perimenopausal transition right up to the menopause and what I have learned in the last few years is that this whole menopause subject is huge and I, I'm sure from you, you you've seen this as well from working in the space like and I, I feel that we need to kind of let's say make distinctions between let's say early menopause perimenopause menopause surgical and uh, medical menopause and then post menopause because they all deserve, I think, their own attention and they're all they're all quite different in in how we manage them. So that's something I'm kind of looking at myself now as a researcher that we everything was kind of put into this pot called menopause and we yeah. were all we were all thrown in on top of of this word menopause, but we're we're actually quite different. and then, as you know, Fiona, everybody's journey through the, the
0: transition is very, very different. Yes, exactly. It, it is different for everyone. So you're um, I mean, you wrote your book in 2021 and uh, midlife women rock a menopause story for new generation, which I, I have a copy here. Um, so are you continuing to do research? Are you saying and then kind of breaking it into the more um, distinct parts to give that information, education and support to the different sectors? Would that be right? Yes you know that's
1: something I'm I'm going to be looking into in the in the future. You see the big problem with menopause is that because it was a taboo subject and there was so much um, and, and in some sectors of society there still is a lot of silence, shame, denial and fear around it. We haven't been given the opportunity to fully examine and spotlight what this menopause is all about and in my own book I I talk about it as this huge puzzle so we're looking at menopause I I look at it as this large puzzle with lots of different pieces to the puzzle and we still haven't we haven't really got all the pieces as yet but we're making brilliant progress I mean compared to 2019 when I started working in the space very little was um, spoken openly about menopause but today, I mean, you know, you can't open a, a newspaper every month here in Ireland, every week in the UK, when there is something about menopause, and it's this is vital, if we, you know, in breaking down the the taboo that surrounds it.
0: Okay, so so what else in terms of shattering the taboo, um, and then I suppose building back up the the puzzle that it is. What what can we do? um within communities and within our cultures to help shatter that taboo do you believe
1: i think Fiona, the number one is talking even professor nick panney he's the, the a world renowned um menopause and hormonal expert in the uk he was asked last october on world menopause week you know what factor has been most uh influential in actually changing this menopause story and he said it's it's the fact that more of us are speaking openly there was so much shame and if we look at subjects that are shrouded in shame there, shame equals conformity and silence and this is the work of Brené Brown she's a social scientist who I based a lot of my book on, on a lot of her teachings and shame keeps us all very quiet but if we can remove that silence we can remove the shame and that is what is happening now we're, we're women are starting to realize, you know, it's not something to be ashamed of. Getting to menopause, we should be, you know, grateful and blessed that we're here because not everybody makes it to 50-52. That's, I suppose, the perspective I use and in, in my book is that I was in three car accidents when I was younger and I lost a very, very good friend at 22. So I look, uh, you know, look at life kind of from the point of view of, I'm here and you know, I'm going to try and make the most of it.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um so the first one will be talking. What's what's what else can we do? Okay, to help- so, right. So
1: if we look at menopause, right? So you, you the way menopause has been framed to date, we're looking at it through a medical lens, or we're kind of looking at it through a, socio, a socio-cultural lens. And I kind of I I go across the board. I look at it in in all three, and I'm also I'm I've been married to years, so you know HRT is the number one uh, medical means of managing uh, menopause. But if it was you know this golden pill, or if it was the panacea for all women, I certainly would be out there with a big flag, you know, saying yes, 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 everybody should go on HRT. But it's not, and I mean, it's fourteen percent of women in the UK are are, are taking HRT. Uh, uh, there's another percentage of women who cannot take it um, for a variety of reasons. But then there are other women who choose not to. They they get you know they look at all the alternatives that are out there to managing menopause, and they may use food and nutrition or movement, exercise. Mindset shifting, CBT, is growing hugely in in the UK around the way we look at menopause. This idea you're getting old, you're going downhill, you're degenerating, you have a disease. You know, our thoughts massively impact our cellular biology and the way we feel about ourselves. So if we tell ourselves that story, yes, we are going to be thinking we're heading downhill, we're degenerating, we're carrying, we're going around with a disease. And I don't I don't agree with any of that. I I see that, you know, there's massive opportunities here coming for women in in, in our middle years because we're going to be, you know, longevity, the the, um, average age in which women live now is much longer compared to 40, 50 years ago. So that's impacting. And as well as that, Fiona, we have uh, its demographics. We have the largest cohort of women globally coming into and through their 50s who are educated and inside in workplaces and these women for the first time in history are starting to speak up um about you know um issues that concern them and menopause is a huge one for i
0: suppose people. because in our parents generation in ireland anyway they would have gen- generally given up work once they had children so therefore we didn't have uh, women in middle age in, in the workforce and and now it's such a large percentage of it. so things are are really um, changing from that side but it's it's the education and the support that needs to be out there.
1: Yes and and I suppose that's where I come now having having worked and you know been involved in research it's that education I feel is that should be prioritized. Number one, let's educate everybody on you know what this menopause is all about. And it should start in the schools, I, I think, I, I firmly believe. And, you know, the earlier women have the education, we can demystify it and we can try and, and remove that awful fear that has followed menopause for such a long time. And, I mean, I was one of these women when I got to 50, I I didn't really think too much about menopause because I, I didn't experience symptoms until I was 51, 52. So I didn't give it a lot of um, attention. None of my friends were talking about uh, menopause. So, um, you know, when it comes to, I I suppose what perplexes me is the fact that, you know, we have stayed silent for so long. Women have stayed quiet for so long about uh, such a a highly significant transition in our lives. Um, And it's only in, in breaking the silence that we are going to help other women who may be, you know, suffering with severe menopausal symptoms or may need, um, you know, who who have medical or surgical menopause and the the amount of preparation and the amount of support out there needs to be enhanced, I think, greatly. And I have seen since I started in 2019 working in the space, how um, in the UK, when it comes to premature ovarian insufficiency and failure, they have researchers now looking into that they have the tech companies brought you know they're interested in menopause i'm also um hearing that the brands are all coming coming on board because again if you look at the socio-cultural way that menopause was framed we were invisible you know we weren't deserving of a special cream or you know uh, uh some nice clothes Whereas the brands now are coming on board and they're realizing that, you know, women in their 40s and 50s are a force to be reckoned with. And they're, they're you know, they're, they're producing products for us in our in our menopausal years, which I think is just bloody wonderful.
0: <laughs> and brady you mentioned there about schools, that that education piece really needs to start in the schools. Is there any current campaign or are you aware of any like the task force or anything that is working towards that I, our- I know the well the uk is the
1: again the first country in the world they've brought it into their um, sphe programs i'm just hoping here that um the same is going to happen i know they are reviewing the sphe programs presently um, so even to you know just to the basic facts around what menopause is and in particular early menopause because the isolation. I've met a lot of uh, women who've had early uh, menopause, and the loneliness and the isolation is is huge because, um, you know, there hasn't been great
0: supports around it. Exactly. Yeah. No. I'm I'm the same. I've met a few people like that, and it is, mm-hmm. it's um, very isolating. Okay. So, shattering the taboo. We're we're talking about it more. Um, are there any other areas there that you wanted to, to speak about before I went on to discuss with you about the Women's Health Task Force in
1: 2020? Um, I suppose, you know, I run the, these cafe, Midlife Women Rock cafes um, here in Waterford. We we meet monthly. And just last month, actually, I um, had a lady attend and uh, she was wo- she's, she's a nurse. And I was absolutely shocked that even though, you know, the media attention in particular on social media, you know, there's a lot of attention on menopause, but it's still not getting out there, you know, at a grassroots level. That's what I've discovered last month, even from working with different women or speaking with groups. uh, It it still isn't filtering down. There's an awful lot on social media and it's wonderful that we are on social media, but the percentage of us on it are... uh, you know, in in our 40s and 50s, it's quite small. Um, So there's an awful lot of work, Fiona, to be done around um, raising awareness, the education piece and all the different um, modalities of management that that are available. Um, There's still a lot of work to be done here in Ireland on that.
0: And so your cafe, that is that's based in Waterford. That's kind of a pop up cafe, am I right? Well, it's
1: not pop-up, actually. It's based in the Waterford Health Park. It's a large uh, medical centre here in Waterford, and um, they have invited us in. And, you know, they're, it's a, they're, their cafe in the in the foyer is beautiful. It's lovely, soft, uh, comfy sofas, and we have coffee, cake, chats. And I provide information there um, on the first Tuesday of every month. That's where we meet. And uh, it's it's really a woman to woman support group, and I answer questions that that a lot of the women bring.
0: And has there been any request uh, to try and roll that out nationwide into different, I don't you know, know, into what premises, but in, in, to roll that out elsewhere in the country? Mm. Uh, that's what I'm looking. I'm working
1: on this year, Fiona, um, looking at how to expand now. We were on Zoom throughout COVID and what was very interesting, like we had women from Sligo, Galway, Mead, Mayo, Kerry, even the north of Ireland were, were, were on Zoom um, coming in to join the cafes um, monthly, but uh, I'm working with um, a group here looking at how we can ex- extend it and expand it because uh, the response, you know, is huge. Like a one-off, I suppose, trip to your GP or your menopause specialist really is not enough when it comes to not only understanding menopause, but understanding ourselves as women as we move through these years. So that's the power of of, uh, women to women. Support is phenomenal. I've discovered in the last few years here. uh, We, you know, each woman in talking about her own story can be massively um, kind of a massive impact on other women. And um, the the cafes kind of have been they provided, let's say, safe spaces so that um, women can come in and speak openly, whereby, you know, before this, they had nobody to talk to. And this is where, you know, a lot of women, as I mentioned, come back. Month after month, uh, many of them have formed their own WhatsApp groups and meet socially outside the cafes. And, um, you know, it's been very, very positive and it would be wonderful to see it rolled out across the country.
0: I think it would, because I think, um, as, as you know, from all of your work, uh, The menopause experience is different for everyone, and um, I think as each person would share their stories and gain the confidence to speak openly in a group, others can learn from that and perhaps be aware or, or recognize some of the things that have been going on for them. So I think the the power of the community and, and helping each other just by telling the story is, is really valuable. And that will be great, Breda, to see if that could be um, spread out around the country. Yes. Yes. we'll
1: We'll see now 2023, what's going to, to happen. I mean, the government here in Ireland have been absolutely fantastic when it, when it has come to us, you know, being listened to, the, the advocates, let's say, when I go back to the, the Women's Health Task Force uh, back in early 2020, those of us working in the menopause space, there were four of us were invited up to the Department of Health to contribute to the Women's Health Task Force. And out of that, um, menopause was chosen as one of the top three areas in women's health to um receive attention and mm-hmm. and fund as you can see fiona they have opened up four menopause medical clinics they have guidelines for gps on the irish college of gps website and how to um talk to women about menopause and, and menopause management options and they also um funded the education and awareness campaign the first in the world actually around um menopause with posters and billboards and buses with the word menopause written on it. I mean, when you look back four years ago, I mean, people in my own circles were so uncomfortable mentioning the word menopause, where I talk about it all the time now. And I absolutely love talking about (laughs) menopause. (laughs) But yeah, so that was the Women's Health Task Force. And what's really interesting is that Ireland and the UK are leading the story and the rest of the world are following on. And what was just great um this past weekend, the Super Bowl was on and there was a menopause advert uh, paid for. Yeah. And I was just paid for by one of the big uh, farmers, Astellas. But menopause actually appeared uh, during the Super Bowl, which that's historic in itself.
0: Wow. OK, I hadn't <gasps> heard that. OK,
1: that's mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a new drug coming on 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 stream um this year. It's a, it's a a non hormonal drug for severe hot flashes and night sweats, and they were that that was the part of the reason that they decide to they decided to advertise. Let's say during the um the Super Bowl.
0: Okay, and I guess the farm has got a lot of funding, ah uh, behind it there as well. But I mean that's that's great that the Irish government um did that campaign a few months back and they became a, a lot more visible around here and it's it's really interesting to see here that Ireland and the UK are are leading the field on that so um that's great yes
1: yeah yes yes and i mean it's it's about i suppose people having the courage to to, to stand up and to to speak openly and i mean you're you're one of you're one of these uh, warrior women who has put her hand up and said, look, it's too important a subject not to talk about. Um, and, 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 you know, there's, there's been an injustice about how menopause has been managed, but also how menopausal women have been framed in society and culturally. And um, that has to change.
0: Yes. Yeah, definitely. And you do some work within the, the corporate field in terms of giving talks within the workplace. Is that right?
1: That's correct. Yes. In 2022, I was invited to join Henpicked Menopause in the Workplace. They are the largest and leading or, uh, educators in workplaces in the UK and increasingly here. Fantastic um, team of of women and men. And uh, it's amazing the work that they're doing in the corporate world around um, workplaces becoming menopause friendly, um, you know, achieving accreditation and um, raising awareness in, in the workplace. So I see they know. had
0: a big award ceremony towards the end of last year for all of these workplaces, which is, is great to see.
1: Yes, yes. Um companies like Astor, um, ASOS, the Big Bang, Santander, um, they, Marks and Spencer's, Boots, uh, British uh, Myers Squib, a lot of the pharma companies. Um they, they've all decided to invest in you know keeping women of menopause age in the workplace because we're very valuable. You know, we've massive amounts of experience. And I mean, the costs to companies of losing uh, women in their 50s are huge. So these these companies are, you know, in the private sector, they are seeing that it is really worth um, bringing in educators and um, working towards accreditation, uh, which is amazing, really. And the uptake I mean, even amongst men, I, the amount of men that turn up, I do a lot of webinars as well in, UK, in the UK, and the amount of men that turn up now, they, they're so interested. They want the information because there has been such a vacuum and such a deficit in, in information out there. Um, it's wonderful to see that all changing.
0: Do you know, is there a CPD course on on menopause at the moment at all? You know, in- continuous professional development that people can do within the... Yeah. in the workplace to, to get their credits
1: um i know the british menopause society uh I, i'm a member of the british menopause society and they do um courses lots of short courses if anyone's interested they have a look at their website and um they they, they that might be mm-hmm. one one of the places to to look into sure yeah mm-hmm. okay i guess the, the other reason why the workplace is so important Women age 50 and over are the fastest growing cohort in workplaces because of our numbers. You know, there's there's more and more of us. And a lot of women are returning to work. I, I mean, I'm a returner. I'm coming back in, having been out nearly 10 years, but there are a lot of others that are coming back in now in their um in their early 50s. In in the UK, I mean the stats are huge on the number of women in inside in workplaces. Um in their 50s okay yeah and they deserve uh, to be supported you know they deserve to be and this is what the managers are seeing and the ceos that we're going to support them they're too valuable we want them uh, to, to remain in the workplace and from our point of view uh, in henpecked it's not just about surviving you know those years through your menopause but it's accessing information and the correct support so that you can thrive and and remain in the workplace Um,
0: absolutely and i see that quite often when i do the menopause cooking courses that there will be a menopause champion within a workplace and um, they'd be getting involved in you know and trying to bring all of the other people up etc so it's it really is um a very different work for workplace from where it was you know 10 15 years ago
1: Yes, yes, yes. And I I see where they have the menopause champions, you know, people then that are that need the support. They know that there's somebody within the organization that they can actually go to, have the chat, you know, find the information. And even the cafes within workplaces have, have started, started up around the UK as well. Uh, women and men sitting around and sharing information, which is very powerful.
0: It is it's yeah, it's great. And just knowing that there's somebody there who can help you out, have a coffee, go for a walk and, and just, you know, to share and, and to um, gain their firsthand knowledge with it. It's you know, it is it's it's great.
1: Yes. And even if we you know, if you look at workplaces, and I, I'm hoping that to the HSC, a lot of these pu- the public bodies will have posters of, about menopause or uh, public health um community care centers that we'd have posters <clears throat> excuse me and you know people will see these are the symptoms this is what menopause is this is what perimenopause is and we we normalize it i, I that's my vision is that it, it has to be completely normal uh, a normal topic of conversation and not something to be you know hidden or to be ashamed of or just to feel uncomfortable about we've got to try and get over that uncomfortableness because we have a lot of living to do post-menopause so uh, we deserve to be supported uh, coming into the, these years.
0: And I think sometimes when you work in the space like we do you kind of think that um, and I think you were saying to me before we, we went on air there that um, you think so much of the information is out there but then you ran one of your cafes recently and you realized that you know, the information isn't reaching, reaching everywhere that we think it is.
1: No, and that is so true. There's an awful lot of work still to be done around um, raising the awareness and the education. And, you know, it's that stigma, that stigma is is inhibiting women, you know, actually being able to access it. Uh, One of the ladies that attended the cafe um, last month was telling me that She had tried to start conversations in her all female workplace, but nobody was was interested in in um, continuing the conversation or she'd made comments. And, you know, it was a wall of silence sat around the table with her. You know, it's it's amazing the impact of taboo and the impact of shame and the stigma. It it is is awful. Without the knowledge and without the education, women are losing out big time. uh, You know, in being their best selves at this time in their lives, and I guess that's what we're we as as women advocates here in Ireland. That's what we're trying to do: be it by food, by education, by um, hormone replacement therapy. It's about women living their best possible lives um, as they move through their menopausal years.
0: Yes. And in this, the, the whole theme of my podcast obviously is the the cookie nourish. So, how about we delve into your opinion on food and supplements and then nourishing the, the mindset and movement and, and HRT, et cetera? Um, what are your thoughts on all of that in terms of helping women thrive at, at this stage?
1: Okay. Well, Fiona, I myself, I reached menopause. That, I reached that one day, you know, a year after I had no. Uh, menstrual bleed and i was i was age 53. so yeah. i managed my menopause uh, uh my the symptoms of menopause when i was 51 52 i had two years where i was very aware of 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 the symptoms and funnily enough for me it was when my the the period stopped my symptoms came on fast and furious then i had a lot of uh fluid retention weight gain body odor irritability But I managed my symptoms with um, supplements, let's say magnesium, the vitamin D. I looked at my diet. I looked at my food intake, increased, you know, all the phytoestrogens, the lots of different seeds, the chia, the flax seeds, the uh, tofu. So food was a big part of my management. Um, Secondly, movement was huge. I looked at my routine. And we were coming into COVID at the time, so I was out. I was up early every morning with the jog, out walking. Um, I played tennis three times a week. Dancing, I found fantastic for low, you know, kind of a low kind of a mood in the morning time. Turn on some music and dance around the kitchen. I found it wonderful. And I I say this to a lot of my clients. Clients, I challenge them to turn on, uh, put on a favorite song, and to start moving. And I mean initially when one starts to do this you know you feel really really foolish but you know once you start your body starts moving you start moving the energy in your body and it's the quickest way to change your mood is to actually dance for one to two minutes uh, as if nobody's watching as they say, <laughs> as they say. and uh, the other thing i and i was moving perimenopause into menopause was nature i and this came from covid as well going outdoors uh, being in nature and There's a massive amount of research that's after emerging on the benefits of, you know, walking in forests, walking by the sea, sea swimming, uh, walking in parks, surrounding yourself in greenery, for both mental, physical, and for reducing the, um, or relaxing your central nervous system, which causes the anxiety for a lot of people. So they were my big ones that I, I use myself. So food, movement, uh, the other big one is mindset, and I can fully understand where mindset comes in because this old story of menopause is all around deficiency, degeneration, decay, even that word is in the literature, you know, when we you, you get to menopause, you, you start to decay, complete rubbish, I believe myself. But, you know, you have to challenge women because most of the women that I've worked with in the last a few years they've never heard one positive word about menopause 90 i'd say 88 percent of the women and why is that why has that happened that's one of the questions i ask when i've been researching why is it so negatively framed um that needs to change there needs to again there's some researchers in the uk looking at the language why have we kind of put up with that negative narrative and the negative rhetoric for so long when in actual fact that is feeding into increasing symptoms and symptomology so that needs to be challenged
0: and why do you think it is that that I know you're doing the research at the moment but what do you think it is Breda that it is
1: it's an old story it's an old story that has been handed down to us and we have to go right back We, we we need to go back I mean if if we go back to this century, but back to the 1960s, there was this book written called Feminine Forever, uh, written by uh, Dr. Robert Wilson in the USA. And um, he referred to women reaching menopause as losing their sexuality, losing their femininity. They starting, they're starting to decay and become crippled. Uh, but these were the words and this was the language. And his book became this bestseller. And he, he went on these speaking um, tours around America. But in the 1980s, this man was struck off because it was discovered that a um, pharmaceutical company paid for everything because he was telling women, I have the answer to all of your problems. And the answer is going is if you take HRT, you won't decay, you won't lose your femininity, you won't use your sexuality and certainly for a lot of women, it was the answer. The HRT was the answer. But what that did was it shame women and stop women putting their hand up and saying and admitting that I am menopause or I have reached menopause. There's a great story uh, by Oprah Winfrey in the 1990s. She, she was trying to get an audience of women to come into the studio and she couldn't. They could not she could not. nobody would volunteer and put their hand up and say i'm I'm a menopausal woman. and that's that's part of the shaming, as Brene Brown um talks about. They just wouldn't come into the studio and and admit I'm actually menopausal. We, <clears throat> what's really interesting is that we've we, we've achieved something in the last few years in the UK and Ireland that other women who had tried before us and to do did not achieve, like, Jermaine Greer, the feminist author and activist, she tried to bring menopause into the public domain in the eighties, no success. Gail Sheedy, with the, her work around the silent passage in the nineties, she tried to bring menopause into the public domain, no success. So we're unique, this generation of women, and what's happening today, you know, societally and culturally, there's this huge shift occurring, and it just it needs to continue.
0: Yeah, I certainly am getting a lovely um great sense talking to you, being part of that um, you know, that generation that help is helping normalize it and and support women. So uh yeah, it's great. Or it's it's funny. I remember um a while back my daughter went for dinner with a, a friend of hers um and the nanny and and she said um what cookery demo has your mum got this evening? And she thought it was going to be something like 20-minute meals or whatever it was. And she said, oh, no, she's doing a, the menopause cookery demo. And I don't think the woman knew where to go with the conversation of a 10-year-old talking about menopause. But <laughs> well, isn't it
1: fantastic, uh, Fiona? I My son here is he's, a, he's on midterm and he's had three friends here for the weekend and uh, like they all know I work in the menopause space. The conversations are completely open around the table. and I think it's absolutely wonderful that you know we've destigmatized it and demystified it because you know there's nothing wrong with being a menopausal woman in two thousand and twenty three. In actual fact, you know this it's for another conversation. There are huge positives once we manage symptoms. There are lots of positives and opportunities arising for for women in in the middle half of life, but um that's that's okay, a comment. We'll do that, we'll
0: another do that day. in another yeah. one. Yes. Um, <laughs> and British, so I know you've yeah you've offered free menopause symptom checker download. So I will put that in the show notes below. And also the people can and sign up for a 20-minute clarity call or they can go for invest in a power hour with you. Is is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yes. Uh on my website, midlifewomenrockproject.com, com, I, I do 20 minute um free calls just to see if you know some people just have maybe a question or something they need clarity about um so I do that or I and I also do power hours somebody might be coming maybe with something specific uh that they need answers to so um check out my website and um you can you can log on there and um make an appointment or you're also very welcome if anyone's listening in to if you're in Waterford come to visit us at the Washford Hill Park, the Midlife Women Rock Cafes. It's a wonderful gathering of women on the first Tuesday of every month from ten to twelve am.
0: I think I'll have to come and visit you guys someday soon. I think it's definitely uh, on my to-do well, list. So yes, Fiona,
1: you you maybe to come and do a cooking demo because the women would be delighted to uh, to see how food can uh, you know make such a, a huge difference um, to people. Just one thing before I finish, if you want to, yesterday I had a lady on uh, speaking to me, she was on HRT, and I actually went, to, I asked her what else was she taking, because she started bleeding, and she was telling me she was on flaxseed oil as well, so uh, you see flaxseed oil is a phytoestrogen, so if you're on both, you've got to be very, very careful, and that's something I, it was just interesting, it came up yesterday, um, but you you know, it increases your, your, your kind of really topping up your hrt so just to be careful um if people are on hrt to be aware of what else they're they're taking it's important to to realize because bleeding is one of the um the side effects of the estrogen levels being too high in the body
0: okay and so this was a supplement of flaxseed oil that she was taking is that right
1: i think you noticed the
0: bottle she said it was it
1: was the liquid liquid flaxseed oil okay Mm, that and this is for women that would ha- also have their uterus in, in place, let's say, uh, just to be careful around taking what, what, what you take with the HRT, you know, when it comes to um, the supplements.
0: Yes. And I guess, I mean, yeah. I would always try and look at a food first approach, and then the supplements. But then I would always guide people back to their medical practitioner in terms of you know what might interact with, as you say, their HRT or say, for example, the medication that that I be on to to block the estrogen, etc. Because as we've said so many times, it is different for each individual.
1: Yes, and that's where the one I, I think the one to one support is so important, or the what you know investing you know, in a one-to-one consultation, be it with a, a nutritionalist, be it with, with um, a movement expert, be it with a coach, you know, it is very important so that you can have your own individual plan, Your, um, you know, with your menopause. And it's certainly not all downhill. I think i, I love women to realize that uh, you have to invest, you have to spend time. I mean, I was, when I was experiencing symptoms, I was constantly looking up, researching. And that's why I wrote the book, because nobody, you know, no woman who's busy is going to have time to do the research. I did to try and discover what was happening to me, how best to manage it. So that's why books are so important um, and information is so important. It changes everything.
0: It's fantastic. And you've got all of the information in one place for people. So you've done all the hard work for them. And I know you've lots of different individual stories, kind of almost case studies as you go along. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, no, I would certainly recommend uh, the book for people to to gather all of the information in, in the one spot. Um, it's very powerful to, to have all of that information. Thank you. So to finish off, Breida, I always ask my guests for their three tips, which I think we've probably touched on at different stages. But the three tips that you would give to improve one's health, what three tips would you give to someone listening to this podcast today to action to go and improve their health? Okay.
1: so if you are in perimenopause and you're experiencing symptoms, number one, educate, educate, educate. You've got to educate yourself. I Coming from a nursing background, I had no education and I saw how difficult it was to try and access the information. And it, it's completely wrong. Women should have this information, you know, readily available. So number one would be educate. Number two would be invest in yourself. You're, you know, we're so worth it. By the time we, we get to our late 40s, 50s, take the time, invest in yourself, you know, Go on a program like one of Fiona's programs, go speak with a coach, go to a menopause specialist, invest in yourself because it will change everything. So it's that one step, either, you know, educate, invest. And number three would be, I think it would be the movement for me. It was, it was movement. And when I say movement, I'm not saying going to a gym seven days a week, find something that you love. A lot of women, are returning to sport or to activities that they really enjoyed in their teenage years. They're going back and they're 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 um spending more time. Even hockey, basketball. I'm hearing women going back to that they really enjoyed. So it's about finding something that you really like. Be it dancing, be it uh, zumba, be it Irish dancing, uh, swimming. You know, just but find something because. Movement takes us out of our heads and into the body. Brilliant for anxiety or panic attacks and also helps with um, weight management.
0: Fantastic. So I love those three tips. We've got educate, invest in yourself and movement. Find something that that brings you joy and and get moving. So thank you so much, Brida. I will pop all of your details in the show notes below. And I look forward to seeing where your cafes pop up all over the country and um, and look forward to meeting you soon. Thank you, Fiona. Lovely. Lovely speaking to you. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast on Cook, Eat, Nourish with me, Fiona Staunton of Fiona's Food for Life. I'd really appreciate if you would subscribe, rate and review the podcast to help spread the word. And if you pop over to my website, Fiona's Food for you'll find lots of recipes, videos, inspiration, and upcoming courses. Thanks a million.